Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Tower and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, I will talk about one of the worst promotions for a wrestling show ever. And it comes from a top independent wrestling company. Not some local indie fed. A top, well-known independent wrestling company. Then, there's a lot of things going wrong in WWE Incorporate. I'll get into that, too, because how can I not talk about it? Seriously, that's been the hottest news story in wrestling between episodes. And I'll also talk about this whole Sasha Banks, is she or isn't she released nonsense in the news section. Then, in What's Anthony T. Watching?, I celebrate the fact that I'm a halfway to Black Friday subscriber by reviewing one of VS's latest releases. And it's not the release you think I'm going to talk about. But first, the news. Let's start off with the news. And it's about, yes, the most talked about topic on the podcast. Wait for it. Wait for it. Jason Blum and Blumhouse Productions. As Jason Blum was speaking with Screen Rant while doing promotion on the black phone, which is currently in theaters, that he wants to get Robert England back as Freddy Krueger. Plus, he wants a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, too. That's obvious. Let's break both of those down first. First, he wants to get the franchise, obviously. He's been wanting to get that franchise and the Friday the 13th franchise for years. He already has Halloween. He already has The Exorcist. Now he wants to bring Freddy back to the big screen. And he wants to get Robert England to don the Freddy makeup one last time. Now, Robert England has said... In various interviews, he's done with Freddy Krueger. But Jason Blum told Screen Rant, I could make him come back. I could get anyone back. I mean, Ellen Bernstein was 78. I got her back in The Exorcist. So Jason Blum really is so keen on getting Robert England back as Freddy Krueger. I would not put it past him with his track record. He got Jamie Lee Curtis back to the Halloween franchise. He got Ellen Bernstein back to the Exorcist franchise. So do not put anything past Jason Blum. If Jason Blum wants something, he'll get it. Rest assured. Only thing is, does Robert England want to come back? The guy is about 75 years old. I don't know if you can get him to be Freddy Krueger at his age. Because he's up there in age. You probably need someone younger to play Freddy Krueger. And I'm sorry. But if Robert England wants to come back, I have no problem with it. But he stated in various interviews he's done with Freddy Krueger. He's not coming back as Freddy Krueger. But then again, we're dealing with Jason Blum here. We never thought Jamie Lee Curtis would come back to the Halloween franchise. She did. 
We never thought Ellen Bernstein would come back to the Exorcist franchise. She did. So, really, don't put anything past Jason Blum. If he wants something, more than likely he's going to do his best to get it. And that means getting Robert England back as Freddy Krueger, then he will do that. And if he's going to finally get Friday the 13th when that legal mess ends, don't be surprised if he tries to get Kane Hodder back as Jason. I would not put it past him to do that. If he wants to get somebody to play somebody, he will do that. Especially someone who's played an iconic character. He can do that. Then again, that is Jason Blum for everyone. As Jason Blum is probably one of the most powerful players in the history of horror. The guy can do anything. He even got John Carpenter back in the Halloween franchise to do the score for the films. He can do anything because he is Jason Blum. Moving on. How about some more Scream 6 news, everyone? It seems like there's more news pertaining to Scream 6. Now, we know this film is being shot in Vancouver, Canada. But recently, according to a bloody disgusting article, confirmed that the sequel will take place in New York City. That means Ghostface is going to the Big Apple, everyone. Even though the film's being shot in Vancouver, Canada. Let's face it, nobody wants to shoot a movie in New York anymore. Because it's a lot cheaper to shoot movies in Canada than it is to shoot movies here in the good old U.S. of A. Now, this is probably a good move for the franchise, quite frankly. I like the fact that this franchise is getting away from the nice, quiet town of Woodsboro and moving someplace very, very different. Because I don't think we've had an entry in the Scream franchise take place on the East Coast. I know Nev Campbell's not coming back, but Courtney Cox is supposed to come back. As she'll reprise her role as Gail Weathers, Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, and Jenna Ortega are returning from Scream 5. Also joining them is Dermot Maroney and Hayden Planetarian from Scream 4. And there's also some new casting news on Scream 6 as Jack Champion, Liana Liberato, Devin Nicoda, and Josh Sigara have all joined the cast for Scream 6. This going to be an interesting film. I wonder who else is going to join the cast as I'm really surprised there has been no really big name that jumps out out of this casting so far. And this film's about ready to shoot, or is currently shooting. If this is the cast list, then, man, this is very cheap. I'm surprised. There's a lot of people they could get for this film. These are names that aren't going to really move the needle one way or the other. Because I was hoping maybe somebody from Stranger Things, somebody from... Some up-and-coming young actor would be in this film. Because if you remember Scream 2, you had Sarah Michelle Gellar, who was on Buffy at the time. You also had Jerry O'Connell, 
who was on a sci-fi, popular sci-fi TV show called Sliders. But this is really no big names to jump out of this casting. The only one that really stands out a new cast is Dermot Mulroney. And he's been in a ton of things over the years. So I don't know what's going on with Scream 6. It seems like they're trying to keep costs down again. And that's probably why Nev Campbell did not return for the sequel. Because I think the plan for Scream 6 was try to make the movie for maybe about 15 to $30 million again. Because right now it doesn't really look like we're going to get anybody notable that's up and coming in the next Scream film. I could be wrong. We, there could be more casting to come. But I'm just surprised that there hasn't been any attempts for either Samara Weaving or some other up-and-coming actress or actor to be in this film. Maybe another casting announcement's coming, or maybe not. Because Scream 6 looks like right now it's going to be like Scream 5. Basically something done for like around 15 to $30 million. Hopefully the story's good. And bank on that. Because if you're got Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrara headlining the film, and that's it. And get and Courtney Cox, obviously. But unless there's another major casting announcement coming soon, this doesn't look like we're gonna get many big names in this film. As the biggest names would be Courtney Cox and Jenna Ortega. But we could get another casting announcement soon. You never know. But it seems like this is going to be the cast for Scream 6. Moving on to wrestling news. A lot of wrestling news has taken place between episodes. It's like, it's amazing. The amount of news that has taken place. Case in point. Jeff Hardy was arrested again on DUI charges. Now, this happened on June 11th. He was charged with DUI, alcohol, drugs, third offense within 10 years, and driving with a suspended or revoked license. Hardy had a blood alcohol content more than three times the legal limit of .08, registering at .294 and .291 on two readings. This is according to TMZ. AEW suspended Jeff Hardy without pay and forced him to go back into alcohol and drug treatment. What can you say? I really think Jeff Hardy needs to retire. Seriously. Because I really think at his age, 44 years old, he still has a major problem with alcohol and drugs. And I really think he should be focusing more on that aspect of his life. Because quite frankly, he really needs to clean up. Because... It's sad seeing this, seriously, as a wrestling fan. It is sad to see that Jeff Hardy continues to do this to himself. As he's becoming another tragic story in a long line of tragic wrestling stories. As he really needs to step away from the ring. I don't mean like a month or two. 
I mean probably retire, get your life back under control, live a healthy life, because I really think, personally, it's getting to the point where three times in ten years is worrisome. Because I don't want to see Jeff Hardy wrestle if he's just going to drink afterwards. Seriously. Or him wrestling while drunk. He really needs to get his life back in order. Retire. He's had a great career. He just needs to move on. I don't want to say anybody should retire. But he needs to retire for his own mental health. Because it's sad. I just don't want him to end up like a tragic story. As many wrestlers have in the past. I really hope his brother Matt Hardy gets him the help that he needs. Because clearly Jeff Hardy needs help. He does not need to be wrestling. He needs to get his life back in order. Because I don't want to see him dead. Or have him injure someone in the ring. Because he's drunk. And intoxicated. He really needs to step away from this business. For the sake of him and his family, he needs to retire. I don't want to say it, but he needs to retire for his own personal health. Because he can't continue doing this because it's going to end up as another tragic wrestling story if he doesn't do something about his problems. In other news, Sasha Banks, is she released or isn't she released? Because between episodes, there were a lot of rumors going around that WWE released her. But according to the official website, she's still on the official website. Listed as an official roster member. You had sites like Wrestling Inc. and WrestleVotes report this. This was like another crazy story within WWE. I'll get to the other crazy story later on in this podcast. But clearly Sasha is not happy with WWE. And there is rumors that she wants out now. We don't know if she's trying to negotiate her way out of this company. I don't get Sasha Banks. Seriously. And this whole story. Saga. This is one of those sagas where it's just mind-blowing. Sasha and Naomi, they walk off Raw. They get suspended without pay. And now we got rumors flying all over the place that Sasha Banks is gone. Sasha Banks is currently working. I don't get it. Seriously. And it's all these wrestling sites. Stop reporting rumors please unless this concrete evidence i don't want to hear all these conflicting reports because this was such confusion seriously it's always been a problem these wrestling sites will have their inside guys and they'll feed them scoops and it's like Half of them don't even come out to be true. But please don't go spreading rumors that something is going to happen and it doesn't happen. It drives me nuts, literally. 
I don't get it. All these wrestling journalists reporting rumors. Report facts, please. Sasha Banks is not going to be let out of her contract. I can tell you that right now. So she's going to be sitting at home probably for the rest of the contract. Which I don't know what the length is on that contract. But she will probably be sitting home throughout the rest of the contract that she signed. She's not getting out of that contract. Unless WWE releases her from that contract. But that's not going to happen. So she's probably going to sit at home suspended until the end of her contract. And I don't want to hear all these rumors that, oh, she's going to get, she got released. Unless she finds some magical way that she negotiated her release, which I don't think WWE's going to do because they got enough problems as is. And they don't want her to go to AEW. So, don't expect Sasha Banks to be released anytime soon. If she's released, I'd be surprised, quite frankly. And finally, I'll quickly talk about AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling's recent pay-per-view Forbidden Door that took place on June 26th. The main card started off with Minoru Suzuki, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara defeating Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta. Then FTR defended the Ring of Honor tag team titles and became the new IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions by defeating the United Empire of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb and Rapungi Vice of Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Pac defeated Clock Connors, Miro, and Malachi Black to become the first AEW Atlantic champion. Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo Takagi defeated El Fantasmo and the Young Bucks. Thunder Rosa retained the AEW women's title by defeating Tony Storm. Will Ospreay defended the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship by defeating Orange Cassidy. Claudio Castanoli debuted for All Elite Wrestling as he was the mystery opponent for Brian Danielson. As this match was supposed to be Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr., but Danielson is injured at the moment. Claudio Castanoli defeated Zack Sabre Jr. in a very good match. Jay White defeated Hangman Adam Page, Kuchika Okada, and Adam Cole to retain the IWGP World Heavyweight title. In a match where it had a, an abrupt finish when Adam Cole suffered a concussion. And in the main event, John Moxley defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to become the interim AEW World Champion. Overall, this was a great show. I loved Forbidden Door. For a B-level pay-per-view, this did not feel like a B-level pay-per-view. As there were a lot of very good matches on this show. If there were matches I really suggest you go out of your way to check out, I would suggest checking out Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. As I think this is Orange Cassidy's best match in AEW in quite a while. 
Claudio Castagnoli versus Zack Sabre Jr. was also another great match. As it was great to see Claudio Castagnoli back as Claudio Castagnoli. Not the watered down Claudio Castagnoli in WWE. And the main event too was also very good. John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Those are three matches you really need to check out as... From top to bottom, this was a great show. Definitely worth checking out. This is probably, I would probably say, my second favorite AEW pay-per-view of the year. Right behind AEW Revolution. And with that, that's the news. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here, the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark discussions and speaking of perception there's just one more scene i want to talk about which is after caleb discovers that kyoto is a robot kyoto kind of peels off her skin showing him what's underneath now wait a minute i know where you're going with this but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film exactly what he's thinking at that moment just he's a robot too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Now, yours truly is a big fan of Game Changer Wrestling. I loved the Providence event that they recently had, I Never Liked You, which featured an awesome main event between Will Ospreay versus Nick Wayne. Also had a really great tag match between Waves and Curls and Second Gear Crew of Mance Warner in One Called Manders. I should be talking about that great show. But there is something that really troubles me. And it's about this whole thing with IWTV. Now here's a backstory to the whole GCW IWTV saga. GCW didn't want to run any more shows on IWTV. This led to a major lawsuit between the two Parties, it like dragged on for months until the two parties got together and came up with a, a settlement in which they will put eight shows on IWTV and that would be it between GCW and IWTV, which is a streaming service for indie wrestling. Well, let's just say GCW is not taking these shows seriously. And don't get me wrong, I love GCW, but this is hurting me that I have to talk about this on my podcast, seriously, because I'm a huge Game Changer Wrestling fan. I really think they're the third 
biggest company in America, right behind WWE and All Elite Wrestling. But when you do stupid stuff to the point where I need to talk about it, well, I'm going to talk about it. And it has to do with show one of the settlement series. And by the way they are promoting this show, it's like they're phoning the show in. Seriously. Because they did like two graphics for this show. First graphic looked like something that was done on a Word document. You know, you just type up one of those Word documents on your computer and that's it. And the second one is just so ridiculous. I have never seen a wrestling promotion do this before. A handwritten note about an upcoming show. It's like, it's what the hell? Seriously. You can go to the official Anthony T. and Wrestling Facebook as I put both of those images up there. But how the hell a major promotion like this just do that? Seriously. I know you don't want to be doing these shows, Brett Waterdale, who is the owner of Game Changer Wrestling. I know that. Seriously. Why are you doing this? Seriously, man. Because you're telling me you're not caring about the show. Seriously. This show looks like it's going to be like GCW Superstars. How long is this show going to be? One match? One hour? Ten minutes? Seriously. Because this sounds ridiculous. And they're also promoting a Jersey Championship wrestling show afterwards. So I'm getting a feeling this is probably going to be a really awkward show to watch. And not the typical Game Changer wrestling show. And here's another thing that tells you that they are phoning this show in. This event is taking place at the Phil Sheridan Building in Ridgeland Park, New Jersey. Now I did some research online. I googled Phil Sheridan Building and I got pictures... Of the building that it looks like a Knight of Columbus Hall. What? The last time I looked, Game Changer Wrestling does not run shows in Knight of Columbus Halls. That's something I expect from a local indie fed that draws regularly 50 people. Not Game Changer Wrestling. And especially in New Jersey. Because every time they run a show in New Jersey, they run the showboat. In Atlantic City. So this is another sign that they're going to phone the show in. And I've seen images of the building as well. And it's ridiculous. Seriously. Brett, please. Do not phone these shows in. It's not going to be good for the image of your company. I know your hardcore base will not care. I will probably still support you. But if you're trying to get new fans... This is not the way to do it. You should be using this opportunity to try to get new fans to get them to buy the pay-per-views on Fight TV. Because personally, this is a great promotion that never seems to disappoint. But if you're promoting this show like on a piece of paper or a Word document, why do I get the sense that this show's going to be phoned in? You're losing a big opportunity here to gain new GCW fans.
Legends. Especially on a network where they also have some of the best wrestling promotions like ICW, No Holds Bod, and Beyond Wrestling. Come on, Brett. This is being childish. Seriously. And I'll still support GCW. I'll admit it. But when I think of GCW, I think of great deathmatch wrestling, great technical wrestling. I could be wrong. This show could be good. But right now, the promotion for this show makes me feel like you're just phoning the show in. It's like there's no effort. It's like, here, I'm just doing the show just to do a show. Gotta be careful. Because seriously, some people may see that and say, maybe this is not a promotion that I want to watch. Especially if you're a new viewer. I'm not asking you to bring John Moxley to these shows. I'm just asking for a good show. Maybe on a level like the Providence show or the recent New York show as well. But don't sacrifice the quality of this company over a petty spat with IWTV. Because that's where I think this show's heading. But I could be wrong. This event is taking place in a... Knights of Columbus Hall does not give me any hope. I'm more excited for the Jersey Championship Wrestling Show and all their other shows besides this upcoming GCW show on IWTV. That's for sure. Because I got a feeling this is going to be at least an hour long show. At least. And that's it. Just don't take it out on your fans. Seriously. And phone in the show. That's all I got to say. Because right now, I feel like you're phoning in the show. Seriously. I could be wrong, and this could be a good show. But the fact that there's no effort, no poster for the show, or no graphics for the show, meaning this show's probably going to be phoned in. Which I really don't want to see. Please. But then again, I could be wrong because, after all, GCW's done some weird things and come out with some really good shows. I just hope this is a good show. But something tells me this is not going to end well. Because the way GCW is promoting the first of their settlement series is the worst promotion that I've seen from any wrestling company. And this is sad because this is supposed to be the third biggest wrestling company in America, forget Impact Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling is the third biggest company in America. But, if you're going to promote bad things like that, it's going to get talked about. I'm just sorry, I have to talk about it, because this is just bad promotion. And when you do bad promotion, like handwritten letters, or documents on Microsoft Word, it's going to be talked about here. I'm sorry. It just has to be talked about. I hope the show is a success. I hope it goes off like a regular GCW show. But I just got this bad feeling it's going to be phoned in. And it's going to be sad. And if I'm wrong and this is a good show, I'll come on this podcast to say I was wrong. I'll admit it, GCW fans. Because I am a GCW fan. But something tells me 
this is probably going to be an, an hour show. Something tells me this is going to be an hour or less show, or a show where you just don't see many of the GCW regulars. But I can be wrong in a minute on this podcast. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm Director Andrew Duran, and we are the Two from Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two from Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Welcome back. Now it's time to talk about the most talked about topic in the last couple weeks in wrestling. The chaos in WWE. And I'm not trying to be funny here. Seriously. This is very serious news. It regards Vince McMahon, the CEO of WWE and chairman of the company. He is being investigated by his own board for undisclosed agreements with former employees, including a $3 million payoff to a female employee who he allegedly had an affair with, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Now, let's stop right there. We're talking the Wall Street Journal. We're not talking Fightful.com or Wrestling Inc. or Wrestling Observer. We're talking the Wall Street Journal. If something gets published... In the Wall Street Journal, which is a newspaper for business people. Not for people like you and me. Or maybe you do read the Wall Street Journal. I could be wrong. But I do not read the Wall Street Journal. But still, if something lands on the Wall Street Journal and you're a big company, it's probably not a good thing. And especially if it's a huge scandal like this. 
So, this comes out. And this really came out of nowhere. Because there are a lot of things in this article, including how McMahon paid this person off by using an NDA, meaning a non-disclosure agreement, meaning you basically cannot talk about it, or they can sue you. But the board has also unearthed more older non-disclosure agreements involving claims from former female WWE employees against McMahon. So this is not one. We don't know the number. There were claims against him and head of talent relations John Laurinaitis. So this is not good news for this company. That the head of the company and the head of talent relations are involved in a major scandal. Now... How this got to the Wall Street Journal, I don't know. But something tells me somebody's trying to make a power play here for this company. Because you do not go mouthing off about an investigation that's supposed to be kept quiet with the board. Unless you're trying to make a play. My feeling is this could be the end of the McMahons in WWE. Because nobody would leak this stuff to the Wall Street Journal. Because that would give the company a bad reputation. That they're doing an internal investigation. You do not want an internal investigation leaked. Unless you are trying to take over the company. So there's a lot of drama going on here with this whole thing here. Because... You just don't leak this information out if somebody is trying to make a power play for this company. And it just makes this company look bad, quite frankly. This led to Vince McMahon having to step down as CEO and chairman while this investigation is going on. Who's taking his place? His daughter, Stephanie McMahon. He's still doing creative. Why is he still doing creative? If he's being investigated is beyond me. If I worked in a company like that and I was investigated for something, I'd be pulled off of everything. But no, Vince McMahon is still in charge of creative. Now, knowing that I'm being investigated and it's public, there's one or two things you should do. You could either Try to stay quiet, stay out of the public eye, and just wait for the outcome of this investigation. Or you can go out on television and make a fool of yourself. What does Vince McMahon do? Make a fool of himself. And try to send a message. By going out there, doing his character thing, he's probably trying to send a message to the TV networks and to the board... That you really don't want me gone from this company. You don't really want my product off the air. It's like it's ridiculous. Seriously. Vince McMahon should be nowhere near TV. Nowhere near creative. Look at John Laurinaitis. He's been put on administrative leave. So he's not head of talent relations at the moment. The head of talent relations is Bruce Pritchard, 
who's also the head of creative. I don't get that. Seriously. Because if you rub Bruce Pritchard the wrong way, your career's not going anywhere in this company right now. Because he's now in charge of talent and creative. And that's not good for this company neither. Seriously. You need one person in charge of talent relations and one person in charge of creative. You don't need head of talent relations and head of creative be one person. Because that's not good for the talent as they cannot speak up. If they have a problem, you could always go to someone in head of talent relations. But if talent relations is the same guy as the head of creative and he doesn't like what you say, it may affect your career. That's not a good thing. I just don't get this company. And this whole mess is also shown that this company has no plans after Vince McMahon. They had no plans for this mess because Stephanie McMahon had to come in after she was basically forced out from her previous role within the company a couple of months ago only to run this company in the interim. You had nobody in second in charge at Talent Relations. It's like creative. They can't build new stars. They can't have a succession plan. What do they have in this company? Seriously. There's no succession plan. There's no way to build stars in this company. Because they don't know how to build stars. I just don't get this company. Seriously. How this business is still going is beyond me. And it's just going to get worse the longer this investigation drags. If this wasn't any worse besides this, five law firms have launched investigations into the company over potential federal security laws, engaging in unlawful business practices, breaching fiduciary duties and allegedly harming their investors by producing misleading information. It's amazing. It really is amazing that all of this is happening to WWE. And if that wasn't enough in more legal WWE or Vince McMahon news, that should be a tell that maybe Vince McMahon is in trouble... Vince McMahon has settled his lawsuit with former XFL commissioner Oliver Luck. Eventually, he was not going to settle this case and go to trial with Oliver Luck over this lawsuit. But, with all the problems he's having right now, in a trial that was supposed to happen July 11th, in which everything began... Vince McMahon decided to settle the suit, finally. If you settle a suit when it's very close to going to trial, and you don't want to pay the guy, that should be an indicator you don't want to be at this trial. That you've got enough problems. In fact, you may be exposing yourself to more problems. 
So he basically settled his XFL lawsuit with Oliver Luck. So he can basically deal with this mess. Which is not going away anytime soon. As we're going to be probably here for a while. Until at least this investigation is over. It is not a good time to be in WWE if you're working there. Seriously. If you're an office employee there. Because you don't know what the hell's going to happen to this company three, four months down the line. Vince McMahon could be gone and we may have a thing where we don't know what's going to happen with this company because there is no secession plan with all this mess going on right now. That sale is looking like it's going to happen sooner than later, I'm telling you. Eventually, WWE's going to get sold. I'm telling you this right now. I've been telling you this. I really believe WWE will be sold in the next two to three years. And it, this may speed up the timetable. Because we don't know what's going on with this board. We don't know who leaked the story out. Because it had to be someone on that board that leaked that story out. Because nobody would leak that story out. Unless they had a power play they wanted to make. So it's going to be a very interesting four or five months for WWE. In terms of the corporate side of things. And how it may affect the creative side as well. Because if Vince McMahon's gone. I would not be surprised if the board drives out the McMahons. Because that's what I'm thinking will happen if Vince McMahon is gone from WWE. That the board will try to drive out the remaining McMahons out of this company. And install somebody. And maybe try to sell this company. As this will also probably affect creative... It'll affect a lot of things, quite frankly. It's going to be interesting. But then again, it's this bleeping wrestling promotion. Nothing can go right. In this bleeping wrestling promotion. Creative can't go right in this bleeping wrestling promotion. Now the corporate side can't go right in this bleeping wrestling promotion. How can you have a business where there is no succession plan? Seriously. And we're now seeing it during this investigation. That sale is looking more and more likely at the moment. Because I've been always under that theory that this company... We'll sell in two to three years. We'll see how Vince McMahon fares in this. Because this may be the last straw on Vince McMahon. Or he survives this like he survived everything else. That could happen as well. So stay tuned. You'll find Anthony T's horror and wrestling show on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Power and Wrestling. And on Twitter at Anthony T's Power. You'll find new episodes on DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube. What's Anthony T watching? Well, 
In the beginning, I told you I picked up the Halfway to Black Friday package during the Halfway to Black Friday sale from VS. And I also picked up everything from their May release package. Now, everyone's thinking I'm going to review Thriller, A Cruel Picture. No, I'm not reviewing that film. We are not going to talk about this film on this podcast. Seriously, it's not the film we're talking about. I know everybody's thinking we're going to talk about this film. We're not. Instead, we're going to talk about a film that I was looking most forward to even more than Thriller, A Cruel Picture. A film called Scared to Death. Now, Scared to Death is a film that I was looking forward to when the rumors were coming out that the film was one of the secret titles in the May package. The reason I was looking forward to this film was the fact that this has a connection to one of my favorite direct-to-video horror films of all time. Sinjada! Sorry. I always break out every time... I have to say that title, seriously. It's just a good-sounding title. When you have a good-sounding title, you do something like that. Now, this goes back to the 1980 film, because Sinjinor is technically scared to death, too, but VS recently put out the first scared to death, the one directed by William Malone. If you don't know who William Malone is... He directed such films as House on Haunted Hill and Fear.com for Warner Brothers in the 90s. Definitely check out House on Haunted Hill. That is a very good film. I think it's very underrated. It's definitely an underrated 90s horror film. But anyway, back to Scared to Death. Now, I was really looking forward to this film because I loved Sinjinor. But I have to say, Scared to Death was alright. It was okay. It wasn't nothing special. Sinjinor was a lot better than this film. That's for sure. Now, one of the things I think the reasons why Scared to Death is an okay film, because maybe I was hyping this film up in my mind that this was going to be a very good film, because, well, I loved Sinjinor a lot. I was expecting an action-packed film. Well, it builds on the action very well. I have to admit, it does do a good job in building it. Especially the last 20 minutes was very good. You also get some very intense moments. But some parts were just dragging on. I thought they, I think, spent too much time with the main relationship in this film. I know it plays a central part in the story of this film. But it, to me, felt like it dragged... A little bit, you know? Because I was, like, expecting an action-packed film. Then again, I watched Sinjinor first before Scared to Death. So, I was expecting this film to be like Sinjinor. But it's a different film from Sinjinor in terms of pacing. Sinjinor, there's a lot of intense craziness. This one is just slowed down. Part of it is, it's William Malone's first film. And... Second, it feels like an old-school creature feature film. To the fact that it really slowed this film down. But it does have some good performances. I like how the film does a good job building its death scenes. There's some good gore in this film. I like how it doesn't give away the creature look until halfway through the film. 
You get little teases along the way, but it really doesn't give a full look until like halfway through, which was good. But this film, I was probably expecting more and was a little disappointed. But still, it's a good film. It has good character development. I'll give it that. William Malone, who did the screenplay for this film, did a good job making sure that he had his characters developed. Because you need characters that are interesting. If you don't have characters that are interesting, you're just going to be bored. So what would I give this film out of a five-star rating? Probably a three, three and a half. It's a good film. It's a nice old school creature feature type film. But it wasn't on the level of Sinjinor. But then again, this film was shot in 1980. Sinjinor was shot in 1990. Maybe that had something to do with it. But still, it was still worth checking out. As I enjoyed Scared to Death for the most part. Now I need to stop my... Petition to Snaps Films to put Sinjinor on Blu-ray. Seriously, that film needs to be on Blu-ray. If there needs to be a film that needs to be on Blu-ray, like Book of Shadows, Split Witch 2, and Trick or Treat, that's the film that needs to be on Blu-ray. Seriously. Sinjinor has a great performance from David Gale. Anyways, Scared to Death was an okay film, but worth checking out if you're a fan of William Malone, like I am. Next episode, yours truly will have a preview episode of Scares That Cares Charity Weekend 8. I may have a guest on. I may not. It depends. But definitely we'll be talking about that next episode. So expect a lot of talk about that upcoming convention in which yours truly will be there. I will be at the Doc Discussions booth promoting the show and Two From Hell. I will be there. This year, you can count on it. That's most definitely going to happen. And that takes place July 29th through the 31st. Then, episode 81. I will be joined by two directors of the new film, Death by Midnight, Why to Kill. That's going to be pretty much the episode. It's a long interview. That will be out in July as well. Then... Episode 82 will be a best of episode. Unless something comes up or I can land some interview, episode 82 will be a best of episode. I have not done one of these in quite a while. You will get to hear some of the best stuff of this podcast, including my thoughts on the abomination known as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, you'll get to hear that again. Because it's literally, it's still the worst film I've seen all year. And we're halfway through the year. It's going to be hard for any film to top that film. Seriously. It was atrocious. But anyway, on the Two From Hell side, the latest episode will be out soon. Me and Andrew will be talking about our favorite summertime horror films and other topics as well. So check out for episode 3 of Two From Hell. That will be dropping soon. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't forget to like the Facebook and Instagram page at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. 
I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror.